You are listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast, the show for first-time leaders, for that moment in your career when the buck stops with you. This is your window into the world of how to lead successfully. Now, over to your host, James Nagel. So, welcome to a new episode of the podcast. My guest today is Ariadne Oliveira. As a little girl, she used to be very shy and took quite a while to speak for the first time at school. When she finally did speak, the teacher gave a party with balloons. Well, she has made up for lost time. She comes with the type of CV you'd expect. Best business school in Sao Paulo, INSEAD MBA, and she has lived and worked in Brazil, France, UK, and now Switzerland. Currently, she is a SVP at Vela. Now, Ari wears her heart on her sleeve when talking about the challenges of being a working single mom in the competitive world of multinational marketing executives. Her mantra is, the cave you fear to enter is the one that holds the treasure. So I was curious to hear more. Welcome, Ari. Hi, James. Thank you for having me in your podcast. It's an honor for me to be here. Well, look, Ari, you, let's start with the mantra. You, you mentioned that uh, you know, the cave you fear to enter is the one that holds the treasure. So wh- what are you expecting to get out of the cave today? Ah, yes, that was a challenge. And I, that's why I got so attracted to the challenge. Uh, self, self-awareness, for sure. Uh, and of course, get the word out there uh, of the things that really get me going and get me ticking. I hope it helps lots of people that listen to your podcast. So look, it's been six years since we worked together in, in Brazil. And since then, you've moved three times. So how, how's, that, how's that been? I was surprised when I read that it was three times. It's, it's amazing how we don't get, you know, fully aware of all the changes that happen and how fast they happen. They all were very important. They were milestones. Each one of them was a stepping stone. I, I wouldn't be able to be where I am today if I didn't make all the changes. That makes me happy. But it was really, really tough. It was in the middle of a, a personal life as well change. That was the trigger of all the changes. So it was very challenging to, to keep the heart and the mind in the right place to really perform well regardless of the context. So it was very hard, but very, very enriching, very, very beautiful growth story. Let's look at where you are right now. So you're in Switzerland uh, with Wella or Vela, and we were debating that earlier. How does it feel to be a president? Ah, the, the, the title. I, I joke about the titles. I think hierarchy does not help most of the time in corporations. I think one of the key strengths I have is to be agile, to build relationships of trust really quickly. And in that sense, titles do not help because normally people don't tell you what's really the issue. And that slows you down in the learning process. So I, the first thing I say is like, forget who I am. And sometimes I even talk to people kind, you know, Mr. Shopper, like clients, customers, before I take over the job. In, in many countries, if possible, uh, to try to get to the truth, to get to the truth. And it's never only one truth, but to get to a more unfiltered, let's say, version is really tricky. So the, the title is not as good as it might sound, but of course, I am very happy to be in the position. Is a position that enables me to drive change at a global level, 
to impact many people, not only my direct team, but the, the cross-functional teams and people in the countries. So in that sense, you know, the level of impact and, and the strategic thinking is exactly what I love to do. So the title brings that too. So you're not hierarchical. Um, is that a Ari thing or is that a Brazilian thing or a combination of, of everything? It's Ari, more than Brazilian, for sure. In Brazil, we have a society that is not as flexible or mobile as, as one might think. So when we you live there, we met there, you know. So the surface is all very soft and flexible and carnival-like, but the day-to-day -day is quite different, and especially for a woman. So it is different. It's not as hierarchical as in Mexico, for instance, but it's quite hierarchical. So since the beginning, and then as I said, in another day, in, a, in another uh, conversation. In the beginning, it's easier because you don't have the title. So when, you, when you're beginning, you learn fast because people are so free to speak to you and to tell you everything they know. After, it's a different situation. So I really noticed. And actually, after director title, it changed. Before was kind of uh, okay. After director different game and then after director only got worse and global also versus local uh is a different title as well the title is your your your, your formal persona but the but that's not actually your most powerful thing your most powerful is the informal or the the shadow that you cast which is pretty hard to accept because you've worked so hard to get the formal title and then you realize that you know you've got to do it all informally how would your team talk about your shadow If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to test your own readiness for the hot seat, then take the Leadership Readiness Scorecard. Details in the show notes and on swimnotsync.com. So I really try to, every day, because to me it's a question of consistency, to do the job in a responsible way. So I think responsibility is a really important word, right? Because with the title you have impact, and with impact you really have to be careful with what you say, how you say, what you do, uh, you know, they obviously mimic your behavior more than listen to the words, right? So I, I always try to be really conscious of that. Of course, a lot is unconscious and maybe subconscious. Uh, so I sometimes get a bit intolerant, can get a bit intolerant. So it's a challenge of cross-cultural, I guess, uh, environments. Um, different expectations on speed, on, on agility, on behavior. And it's very easy to say diversity in a team is good and, and you don't want minimis, but it's very hard to adjust to other types and, you know, have that big combination of different people in as, a, as an advantage of the team, right, rather than a, an issue that you have to adjust to. So that's, that's I think, the key challenge I, I find. On the shadow. I'm triggered by the fact that you said, I don't want a whole group of mini-me's. When you think back in your career, who were your role models? Who, the ones, who were the ones that you saw that you said, you know, that, that's inspirational, that's who I'd like to be? Wow, you know, quite a few of them. <laughs> and, and you were one of them. So in, I have to say, can I say the names of the former companies? I guess, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah of course. So RB, Record Binkiser, was a big school for me. It's when I first saw women particularly that I really 
really felt inspired by, not only by their skills, but the way they led. They were very assertive, but not between brackets, ruthless or masculine. So it's quite hard to find that balance. For a woman, you struggle to find a role model. It takes a while, so it took me a while. And then when I saw, and then all of the women I worked for in RV were amazing examples, and, and some that I never worked with, but I observed. Uh, and I made sure I tell them, because not always they know, but I, I make sure I tell them. And the men, of course, also also taught me a lot because it's a company where you know marriage is really important, right? And then people are very candid on opportunity areas of everybody. So I grew a lot there in very tough conversations, but they were very needed for my development. I think I think that's the key thing about RB that in other companies I didn't find so so easy, not so candid. It takes a while to know. And I, I like what you said, you know, if, if someone inspires you, you should tell them. I think that's a very simple but a good one. And it's because <laughs> as you say, the higher you go up, the less you the less positives you hear. You only you, you only get the problems. So look, let, let's look at where you are uh, right now. You've been one year in the job, one year in. What, what's been your biggest learning? The ability to transform very high pressure into energy into into passion for for change and you know energy to drive that change and because of the high pressure and the constant turnaround right in a in a company that it is in a turnaround to really make the most of it by by ignoring the noise and and just focusing on on the work that has to be done and and also thinking ways to to outperform to go beyond what's expected right but having clarity, first of all, on what's expected, but then thinking, how can I do even more? Uh, how can I enable the teams to to deliver more? So to worry about the structure as well, not only the target, right? Clarity is something I always I always uh, encourage. You said very fast, you know, I'm in a turnaround situation. Turnaround is one of those corporate words, one of those words that's used, maybe overused. So why, why do you believe what, what you're in is a turnaround? Just for the listeners as well who might not know the background. So it became quite common now in my career, and maybe that's a stamp I now have, uh, that whenever there is a situation where there's a brand or a category that has been declining, right, in terms of, of growth of the category or, or market share loss uh, for a long time, normally brands with very strong heritage, you know, raw diamonds, but as in many industries, low-priced labels and, you know, consumer shifts are, are putting a pressure, right? So so it's becoming quite common in my CV that I am asked to join when this type of turnaround situation presents. So it's really turnaround. It's not, as I say, I'm not a sailor of account C. <laughs> I always yeah. say that to my team. So I don't like to be, if this situation is, well, we are 80% market share and, you know, plus 100 per year. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not, it doesn't get me going, right? So, because it's not complex, then you don't need to look at the whole ecosystem, you know, all the channels, all the, the types of consumers, you know, again, like in healthcare, there's a gatekeeper, you know, the, the hairdresser, right? So the endorsement and the credibility is really important. So it's B2B, C, it's not only B2B. So it's a turnaround and in a very different 
business model that I'm used to. And that was very exciting to me. And it's a company that was just acquired by private equity as well. So that's different in mm-hmm. terms of the horizon. One thing I'm, I'm curious about, you, you've, you know, with every new job or every new move or every new country, there's a lot to learn. And you've done three moves, you know, in, 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 short, in short time. So the amount of new stuff that you're faced with, what, what's your method of, of sort of getting through that? What are your tips? <laughs> I, I come from a family of doctors and, and sometimes it's useful to just focus on the basics. So as animals, right, I need to make sure I get the house in order. So the habitat, so the, the school, you know, the kids, the day-to-day, you know, the support in the house in terms of, of help I need. So, and if that's right, right, so if I pick well, the house, the school and everything, I feel much more balanced to just focus on the work, right? But I really do need to do that first. I think it's about having the mind mm-hmm. space to do the work well without any interference because otherwise it's impossible to concentrate, if I find. No, and, and, and for sure, I mean, I've done many moves as well, but I always was accompanied by my wife who, you know, uh, helped with setting me up so I could appear in the office, you know, clear-headed. So you, clearly you have that first chance of getting that, getting the habitat sorted. But in terms of the, the sort of the work, and there's a phrase, you know, drinking from the fire hose, when you go in, there's just, you have to work your way through. Do you have any special way of what you prioritize, what you look for, who you talk to? Build trust, right? So the trust um, that I, I think it's funny because we use the verb build, but it's about earning, right? So you have to earn the trust. And the challenge is when you arrive, of course, nobody knows you. And again, it's not because you have a title <laughs> that people are going to respect you, you know, and obviously not trust you. So you have to build those connections. And it's through, of course, talk and meet and asking the right questions, but not in a finger pointing aggressive way, because it's never the fault of one person or a function only, right? It's always systemic. But if you don't listen, and if you don't take your time to really make your conclusion, uh, that is always your conclusion, right? So it's your lenses Mm -hmm. on a problem. So it's not the truth, but it's how you interpret it. And then, of course, play back to the people that you actually owe that, right? Because that's what you concluded based on their, uh, let's say, diagnosis as well. And each one has a point of view. But in the end, you know, you need to build the strategy and you need to make sure you carry everybody with you. But again, without trust, you can spend like 100 days in a listening tour. But if nobody really knows what to expect from you, right, as a leader, again, even the quality of what you hear can be questioned. It's like in any research, right? We work with research. And ironically, sometimes in our day-to-day, professionally, we, we tend to forget, right? So not everybody's as open to really speaking up. So then the quality of what you hear is, is really impaired. Um, so I think trust is fundamental. And it takes a lot of time. Of course, I know intuition is a word that people don't like because it's not very... <laughs> scientific maybe but uh i use my intuition a lot i I thought intuition was maybe coming back into fashion in in the sense that if if you look back at the big decisions you make they're always intuitive 
emotional. They're never, never rational. How much, however much we would like to think they <laughs> that they were. Um, so I think, look, what you've said about uh, earning trust. How do you measure that? Because you know, I think back as I listen to you about all the different things, moves I've made, and that's the other challenge you have. How do you know? Ah, when you need, when you need help. When you need help, do you get help? What type of help do you get? In public and not in public. The difference of the behavior in public versus not in public. Uh, I think Brennan Brown has a TED talk about anatomy of trust. And I shared with everybody I knew uh, when I saw it because I was like, wow. And she speaks about that. She has an acronym uh, to speak really what builds, what defines trust and what breaks trust. Because you break trust only once, right? And then you don't rebuild. And in many companies in that level, you you have to work with people that will be there, have been there sometimes forever and will be there maybe forever. So you don't have, it's not a normal situation where you, you just change, right? Or, oh, let me change. Another division, another country, let me get it. So you cannot avoid, you You have to confront, right? And it's impossible because it's just statistically impossible to have everybody you can trust, mm. right? It's also very behavioral sometimes. And in some cases, again, intuition, you just have to work with what you have and to say, okay, as long as I know that this is the rule of the game, then I play the game, right, accordingly. And I use the word game not demeaning anybody, just the, you know, to see things as they are, right? Because if we are too much for too long in denial, again, we, we, we hit the wall and we don't progress. You've made the point on trust, but apart from that, sort of what do you believe has been your own edge? What, what's got you your success so far? What do you go back to every time when things are tough it's a buzzword but <laughs> vulnerability right so the transparency uh, of of saying what bothers you what you're not clear about what makes you insecure what you're not sure of because we are way too quick saying what we are sure of mm-hmm. right how many times we say the phrase oh i've seen that 10 times you know like i've, I've been in this 25 years of, so we have our beliefs and our crystallized, let's say, systems. Uh, so it doesn't help. I guess it helps when you are open to learn, when you are really questioning sometimes your own beliefs. To be humble, quite rare mm-hmm. <laughs> in our environment. Uh, humble and, and eager to learn, curious enough to learn, right? I think that's the strength because it's very rare. Like you could say resilience, you know, you could say adaptability, but in the end, what's really different is is how you face the challenges, right? So if you come from a place of arrogance and a condescending tone, I, I never think it helps. It actually makes people distant and, and hostile. When I asked the question about what's your edge, I was not expecting vulnerability, but I'm really curious about it now because <laughs> it's a word you hear about all the time. Are people more receptive to it or respond better to it now than in the past or is it is it same as? Now it's easier because it became more acceptable, right? So before 
uh, and even some people we have in common, you know, would say, no, don't show that face, right? That to show that face, you discount your authority or you discount your, your followers. But, but I, I don't agree because we are all humans and we all face difficulties. And, and I think it actually builds a stronger bond, right, between people. And, and I would argue it's linked to trust as well because you're open enough, not to everyone, right, but you're open enough, not every time, but you're open enough to, to speak about the things that really are in your mind. Not 100% transparency, but, you know, sufficient to get to better results in the end, right? And I really believe the more people are open, even about what worries them, think about a team, right? You're worried about the team not being set up for success. If you have direct reports, directors that have an issue with telling you that they are not being able to manage, that they need more help, mm. you have a problem because you don't know what you don't know. You, you are assuming everything is fine. But if because of pride or any other ego reason, they don't tell you what's really happening or a difficulty with a peer in another function or whatever, right? If mm. they don't want to show that they need help, if they don't ask for help, you cannot address. And the same, you know, me with my boss, right? So I need to have the the openness to say, you know, I'm really struggling. In the short time we have available, you've convinced me on vulnerability. No, because trust me, trust me, <laughs> if the end result is you want people to give you the help when you need it, it's only by having the relationship. So I like, I, li I like, I like the philosophy. Uh, very good. Let's, let's look forward now. Um, so there's a famous phrase, uh, what got you here won't get you there. How has your definition of success for yourself changed over time? So clearly at the start, you just want to move up the ladder, right? That's, I think, quite normal. But now you've got well up the ladder. What, what, what's your definition of success for yourself? So I think it's the balance, right? Because it's about the, the sustainable. We say a lot that word in business, the sustainable path ahead, right? So of course, when I'm 45, about to turn 46, is different than you are 25, right? So your energy levels and, and your health, uh, it's something really fundamental at any stage. But now, if you're not careful with your personal life balance, mm -hmm. I don't think you're making yourself any favors, right? In terms of the, the path ahead. We can always challenge the path ahead. So imagine, is that the path I want? You know, but I still find a lot of pleasure in, in, in my work and the way I do the work. So I plan to stay in the path for a while. The challenge is to be healthy in the path, healthy and happy. So to have a, a sufficient level of balance in life that enables you to be always creative, you know, on the edge, uh, full of energy, productive in a constructive and, and positive way. Because when we have something not working really well in our lives, that transfers. I, I really think it trickles, right? I really don't believe in separation of personal life and professional life. So it's not perfect. If anything, I'm trying, looking forward to work more on that, to find more joy in that. Uh, and, I, and we have to make time for that. We have to organize, right, for that. Yeah, look, given, given the sort of pressure scenarios you work in, 
what you say doesn't doesn't surprise me. And sustainable is a is a, is a good definition. Is a, I mean, there's one person I work with who, when I said, Look, "What's your definition of success?" or "What do you want to achieve in this?" Being able to sleep at night while managing the transition. And I, at first, I was really, but it made perfect sense because <laughs> anyone who's listened to this podcast between jet lag and meetings, it's a very good test of how of how well you're managing stuff. Right, let's go a different tack. Uh, this is the Swim Not Sink podcast. So what about the sink moments and, and sort of what have you learned from those? Some decisions, uh, I say sink because some decisions I, I question if they were right. I'm not saying which ones, but, uh, but some of them uh, professional decisions. I wonder if they were right at the right time. Uh, they had implications in my personal life mm -hmm. that I wonder. I say sink because sometimes we feel pressure to make a decision and, and that pressure to make that decision trumps everything else, you know, and it shouldn't be the case, right? I mean, so at some point, I think the lesson learned is if you have any reason to believe it's the wrong decision to make or it's not, it's not the right point in time, you know, just say no, right? Take your time. Say, say not now, maybe later, right? But don't, don't fold because if you fold, then it's gone. I mean, right? You, you're gone. You, you move and then you move into a totally different path. So it's like a bifurcation. Uh, and I know it sounds dramatic and there's no comeback, but some things really, there's no uh, comeback. And then we just keep wondering, you know, like, right? So now when I, feel the same pressure of making a decision and certain corporate sometimes imposition, mm -hmm. uh, you will say, no, not, not me, not now. It won't work for me mm -hmm. because we know. So the issue is we don't say. Which is intuition again, right? And it's quite empowering when you do say no. I have to, I have to, from my own, from, from my own life. But it doesn't prevent you from thinking back on what might have been, right? So yeah, <laughs> you have to live with the consequences. Um, so as we as we come towards the end, look, when we chatted about whether the podcast was something interesting and all the rest of it, I think what came out for me was you wanted to do it because you come from an emerging market, female. And as a female leader, you're not the typical A-type. So that was a bit your motive. So what, what advice would you have for, for people who may be listening and, and uh, thinking, oh, I would love to be able to do what she's done? I would tell them to really be themselves. I know it sounds a bit uh, cheesy, but in the end, if you are, then you really find power in that, right? Because it's, you're not performing a role that is not yourself so then the energy you save you save that energy because you're being yourself um and of course having passion for what you do helps because it gets very hard at some point in terms of the workload and all the 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 yeah all the effort you have to put into something coming to life uh right is really is really intense so if you if you're doing it for any other reason let's say status or money or whatever reason, I, I just don't think it works. I think nowadays what's different versus when I graduated 
you know, there are so many potential paths right ahead and mm -hmm. that people can take. Uh, it's so different now. It's not like the classic only, right, professions and, and ways forward. So people should take advantage of that, take their time, again, not to feel under pressure to make a decision on, you know, what path to take. Choose really what gets them going uh, because it's a big part of our lives. It's, it's just a huge part of our lives. Not only the hours we put, but the moves we have to make, the countries we have to change. And it's not always, you know, bed of roses. So you really must have something that you really are passionate about and it moves you. And also people feel that. So it's easy to lead when you can, again, trickle that down, right? Because nobody follows a bureaucrat or a technocrat. It's not exciting. Okay. Ari, uh, that was great. A real pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, James. You've been listening to the Swim Not Sink Leadership Podcast. Subscribe at swimnotsink.com forward slash podcast.